and then also continue to read testimonies for the other weekends that we have this class. <clears throat> so we're on Christian service. The chapter is a fatal mistake. And we'll start out with a word of prayer, of course. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for the privilege of studying your word, the privilege that you've given us of your Holy Spirit's giving this information to Sister White. We ask and pray that you'll bless our hearts and our minds, Lord, to hear the words and to understand them, and above all, to accept and to follow. In the blessed name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so we're, <clears throat> we're on Christian service, and this, this is a title, A Fatal Mistake. So what could be a fatal mistake in Christian service? Didn't that sound kind of impossible to have a fatal mistake when involved in Christian service? What could be a fatal mistake? A fatal mistake when you're doing Christian service, got the uh, pastors involved, got the lay members involved. What would be a fatal mistake when doing that? When I break down fatal mistake, it's something, when you say fatal, it's something you can't come back from, mm. you know? So you made a mistake that can't be reversed. You know how we talk about managing um, disaster and try to manage a uh, mistake. When you say fatal, that's like something you don't ever want to do because you can't rectify it or, you know, clear it up. Yeah, good point. Oh, that's what I'm trying to think. What would constitute a fatal mistake that I, something I couldn't come back from? Yeah, what it's talking about in first paragraph says it is a fatal mistake to suppose the work of soul saving depends alone upon the ministry. So when we think that only the ministers are supposed to be involved in soul winning, that's going to be a fatal mistake to, um, in a couple ways, probably, to the people whom we could have reached that we didn't reach, and then possibly to ourselves, because we're missing out on doing the work of soul saving, which is our whole purpose as Christians, to tell others about the gospel. So uh, many times we think, oh, the pastor, he's getting paid anyway, he should do it, or I'm just, you know, I'm no good at it, so I'm not even going to try. You know, and some people are truly afraid to witness to people, but they can do other things and in, in be involved in soul winning. Of course, we always need prayer warriors. That's part of soul winning. We also need people who can read and study and give Bible studies. That's part of soul winning. We need people who are willing to assist the homeless, you know, feed people. There's plenty of ways to be soul, minister, soul saving ministers. So we don't want to just put it on the pastor. Because the truth is, pastors are just one person. Now, you compare the work of one person, the pastor, to the work of all the other members in that church. Maybe you got a small church, 20 members. Maybe you have a large church, 5,000 or 10,000 members. Who's going to be able to do the most in terms of soul winning and Christian service? One or 10,000? Yeah, definitely the members. Yeah. And as the quote says, many hands make light work. So if only the pastor's doing it, it's going to be a hard job. If all the members get involved, it makes it a lot easier. Like one person trying to lift a, a heavy weight compared to several people joining in as a team to lift it. And also, that's why we're always 
constantly reminding people, constantly reminding the church family that we're all a team. We're all working together. No one person's bigger or better than the other. And together, we achieve much. T-E-A-M, together, everyone achieves much. So we have to remember that. Have you ever been in a church that only the pastor was doing anything? No. No. Have you been in a church where the pastor wanted to do, to do everything? No. <laughs> I've been in a church where the pastor felt like he had to do everything. And it's not good for the members to feel that way because then what would the members do if the pastor is going to do everything? Nothing. Yeah, they're going to sit there. They're mm -hmm. going to show up. They'll listen to the music and the sermon, and then they'll leave. And there's the pastor trying to do all the evangelism on his own. And then um, the members are not growing spiritually either. They're not doing the work of Christ. They're not involved in Christian service. So it's a losing situation for the ministers and for the church members. So God has given each of us responsibilities and it does say that those who stand as leaders in the church are to realize that the Savior's commission is given to all who believe in his name, not just the ministers. You don't have to go to Oakwood or Andrews or any other theological seminary to be called to be a, a Christian minister, a Christian witness, or a soul winner for Christ. And then what's that last sentence say on that first paragraph? What does that last sentence say? God will send forth into his vineyard many who have not been dedicated to the ministry by the laying on of hands. And what is that talking about? It's talking about others other than the, other than the minister, other than the pastor. He's gonna, God's going to send just lay people. Into, out out into the field out into to finish the work right now i have had a pastor say before this was at a church that we attended a long time ago and the pastor felt like his job was only evangelizing mm. you know it says i forget which book it is uh one of the apostles says uh he's talking to the church family as a whole and he's saying that the, something about evangelism and prayer and some of the pastors think that's all that they're called to do is evangelize and prayer. But that leaves a whole lot of other things, you know, that they're saying they don't have to be involved in. One thing that ministers have to be involved in, they have to help the members to grow. You know, it's not just always outside the church, but there has to be some work inside the church as well. How can you build soul winners out of people who are struggling with their own lives, people who have issues that they have no clue how to get beyond and who are just in a situation where they need help? But the minister's saying, that's not my job. And so he's got a lot of dwarfs in the church that he's trying to turn into uh, soul winners. Just makes every, everything a lot harder for everyone. Uh, what do you think about that, that the minister feels like he's only limited either to preaching or to praying? I think we have to, um, I think we have to change 
all of us need to change our perspective on, on evangelizing. To me, evangelizing is your life. It's like, um, it's not just talking to people outside of the church, but it's and people outside of your family. It's in your family. It's in the church house. It's wherever you go, you are a representative of Christ. And so you um, are automatically going to be evangelized. Whenever you tell a story or give God some praise, that's evangelistic work. So I think if the pastors, um, if you have a very narrow view of evangelism that is outside the church or it's only when I go overseas or it's only when I go in the community, then I think that's a mistake. I think the, um, the problem is the definition of evangelism. We need to change that. Evangelism is the way I live. It's, it's the way I walk and talk. It's the way I breathe and do things because, you know, whatever I do, I'm doing it to the glory of God. And he's in it. Mm, okay. Any other thoughts about that? I remember somebody saw me out somewhere and they said, hey, pastor. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I'm not really a pastor. He said, we're all pastors, all of us. Mm -hmm. I, said, well, I don't really preach. He said, no, that's a preacher. A pastor yeah. is somebody who was out in the community, who's speaking the word of God, and he went through this whole thing. And I thought, oh, I guess we all are pastors. In that sense, you know, yeah, it's like personal ministry, you right? Know, we're personal ministers, right? Everybody is, you know, you just we all have our circle in our field that we are to be um evangelizing for the Lord, right? Now, would you rather have if a pastor or a preacher is going to be one or the other, would you rather have a pastor or a preacher? Pastor, <laughs> it don't have nothing to do with the lesson, but it's just a right. <laughs> A pastor. You'd rather have a pastor? Mm -hmm. Why? When I look at a pastor, he comes, he visits, he um, is in the community, he helps. This is just a lot more than just bringing the word of God. I want to see the word of God in action. And so oh. if you're just a preacher, you're just behind the pulpit. Hmm, that's a good point. You see, that's there is no difference between the two of my new my new definition because as an evangelistic as an evangelistic person, he should be visiting his flock, you know, going to their homes, being a part of the um, social events that they have and the outreach that they have, and encouraging them, those who are sick, and you know, not just going to the hospital when somebody is dying, you know. Um, or choosing a certain group of people to go see. He is to be, you know, like a, 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 a shepherd, you know, taking care of the weak, not kicking the weak out. Well, you know, you was smoking a cigarette or you was doing whatever, so you can't come to church or, you know, whatever it may be. But it's um, it's kind of one in the same to me. It should be. It should be. I, I, I'm with you. I think about these young folk, and they may have a game, a, a, a basketball game or a football game after school. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be a surprise, a great surprise if the pastor showed up mm -hmm. and was in the audience? And once the game was over, he showed the, the young person that goes to his church, I came out and supported you. How much more would that person 
that young person want to come to, to church and want to come to events and different things because the pastor was there and took out the time to, um, to, to see them throughout the week and not just on Saturday. You yeah. know, another thing too um, that you're talking about uh, there is that then he has something to witness to his friends about. Oh, my pastor came by to yep. see me. Or, you know, when people will say something like that, like my pastor came by to see me and he brought me some of this. You're not just when the person is sick, you know, right. but just in general. And I think it's like, to me, sometimes people be like family, um, you know, like they have a family too and they have this and that, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, let's say if you just honestly gave 40 whole hours of work a week, just 40 straight hours, you know, and you put aside two hours to put together a sermon, and then the time you're at church doing the sermon, not all the other time, but you're doing the sermon. And if you use that, so that, that they may lose use five hours, the other 35 hours, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, in that scenario about the baseball game, that opens up opportunities for witnessing for the pastor because, you know, the other parents are going to come around and say, oh, you're his pastor. Oh, what church do you go to? Blah, blah, right. blah. And again, it opens up the way for you to say something about how good God is. And, and the other kids, like Lakita was saying, the other kids on the other teams will see him and say, hey, uh, Johnny, who's that guy? You know, and then they'll start talking and you know, they may end up coming to visit the church. All kind of good stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way when the members don't assume that the pastor should do everything, but the members get involved, you know, um, the members get involved. That opens up avenues for the members to witness also. If you go out and you uh, just say you hand out gas cards at the at the gas station, that gives you an opportunity to talk to people. You say, hey, I got this. Gas, gas car we're giving out. We're from this and that church down the street. Come by and visit us, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just gives you another method or another opening for you to say something about the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like and, um, my brother, he passed away. When he passed away, my mom said, Lakita, can we bury him? That means have his funeral services at your church because our church don't bury sinners, right? Mm. What a witness, what a witness. So of course we you know, did it and had it at our church. And then my father passed and we had it at Northside. And then she told me, I wanna have my funeral at Northside too, like everybody else. Um, she says, so the family, my family was telling her that she couldn't have it at our church because she wasn't a member of the church. Mm. What's the other two? And so I told her, I said, I don't get to tell you. She said, well, it doesn't matter. They, they Apparently this thing was going on. I didn't know anything about it. They were upset about it. So she said, so I'm just going to join your church. And she died at Seventh-day Adventist. So I will say that the just the, um, our everyday duties of what we're doing, what we believe is the witness. It doesn't have to be you know, all of this convolutedness that people make it to be every day that you, you know, when you smile at a person in the grocery store, you know, mm -hmm. that's a witness, that's a testimony to God's goodness in you. When you let somebody in line before you, or, you know, you say something nice to a young woman, 
who has a child, you know, the child or whatever. You just don't know how those words will lodge in this person's heart and can change the, uh, the trajectory of their life. It's simple. It doesn't sound like it's a lot, but it can change the trajectory of a person's life. The person's yeah. in there thinking, you know, don't nobody care about me. No one sees me. You know, I'm just in this world by myself and they may be, but then you step in and say, how are you? How's your baby doing? You know, and they say, oh, they're doing fine. You have a conversation about children and you know, how the baby looks happy. You know, it sounds, seems like you're doing such a great job. And that person walks away, rejuvenated, renewed, and ready to recommit herself to the task that the Lord has appointed her. This is Sister Harper, and I, I, I've been listening to your conversation since I don't have the chapter. But I will say it made a difference in my grandson, my oldest grandson, because he had invited JT to when he was in the eighth grade because they were doing the Lion King, the story of the Lion King, and he was the lion. Or I guess they were doing the Wizard of Oz, come to think about it. And when JT showed up, I mean, he and even before they started, he came out, and she was like, let me get a picture of you, and she just made his day. <laughs> Amen. And we missed out a lot of opportunities for ministry when we just try and make one or two people do everything. I like what we call every member evangelism where every member is doing something we don't all have to do the same thing but every one of us who calls ourselves a follower of christ should have some talent or some ministry area or some uh, ability to share the love of christ it could be you know like you like you were just saying sister harper about inviting someone to the play you know and and letting other kids see oh she goes to my church she has a children choir you know, you can join or you handing out the gas card and you talk to people that way or you uh, helping someone deal with suicidal thoughts and pointing them to, to Christ and eternal life. So there's all kind of ways to witness. And many times we miss out because we want, oh, let so-and-so do it. Oh, let the pastor do it. Let the ministers and the elders do it. Everyone is called to be a minister. Well, I think, too, that um, I always like to just really bring it back down to just your basics, too. Of course, all of that stuff, you know, and um, one time Petsy on the prayer line shared about a person whose who's loved one had just died, right? You know, had, had died uh, maybe some months ago, but they were so broken up in their class that she was crying. So the people came to Petsy to ask her to pray. So I doubt that Pessy gave a story, I mean, a lesson, a Bible lesson on prayer or, you know, gave a formal setting on prayer, but they knew to come to her and say, you need to pray for her. That's to me, evangelism. That, that's just kind of the way I see it is that, you know, in our everyday life, we demonstrate the love of God just by living. Mm. Everyday evangelists. Everyday evangelists. Now, they look at and this. And you know, oh, go ahead. You know, Elder Carroll, once I did that, I said, Lakita and some other people came through and said, if she needs to get to a grief, uh, whatever, I gave her my number and I told her. And then she told me she was in grief. Uh, you know, she did have a grief person. And I told her, I said, anytime you want to join in, just let me know. So I seen her yesterday, too. Uh, uh, 
on Friday when we went, and she was like, you just don't know how much your prayers are helping me. And I told her, I said, it's, a, I said, it's not just mine. I said, everybody's praying for you, Tammy. And she's like, just don't stop. But she just, I mean, she said, and she gave me a hug again. She said, you thought enough about me that you saw me hurting, that you was going to get me in a grief class. And she said, and if I didn't have one, she said, and I told her, I said, whenever you know, because she told me what day hers is. I said, whenever you need to get into into it, I said, I'll give you some information. I said, and you're more than welcome. And she said, even if I'm not an Adventist, I said, even if you're not a Seventh-day Adventist. Amen, amen. So, you know, sometimes we plant the little mustard seed, but God is a, it's a community that waters it. Yes. Amen. Yes. And he just, you know, it's just such a wonderful thing, just how simple, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be door to door. I mean, it's nice to do those things and to do corporate things. I love doing uh, ministry with my sisters and brothers in Christ as well, but also just your everyday life, just you is it. That's, that's all you really need. Now, can you imagine where uh, Sister White is writing that the idea that the minister should do everything is a great mistake and that overworked and broken down, the minister ends up dying when if he had shared the burden, he might have lived. And I thought, man, that's pretty graphic that this person basically just overworked themselves because nobody else would help or because they didn't ask for help or whatever the case may be when the person would have lived if they just shared the ministry. And we think about that too, when we have churches where it's the same people constantly doing everything, that's not right. You're just burning those people out. You know, we were at churches before and other people have told me also that they've had four or five offices. One person shouldn't have four or five offices. If you've got more than four or five people in that church, one person shouldn't have that many offices. And if you don't have enough people, then just don't have every office. Have the offices that you need. It's no requirement that you have to have every office listed in the church manual. Get the offices that are helpful to your community and the ones that the members are interested in continuing. And, you know, don't overwork the same people. It's very easy to say, let's get Brother Jones. He's always willing to help. Yeah, he is willing to help but he shouldn't be the only one willing to help. And the rest of the membership needs to know everybody needs to be helping, not just one person. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, so it's okay to say no too. You know, like you can't, you can't do everything. And it's hard sometimes, but it's important to, you know, to, to not try to do everything because you'll be, you end up sick. And not only that, but you're depriving everybody else of the opportunity to have a to relationship, talents. to have a to have an experience with God. Because you know, witnessing is an experience with God. Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, it's part of Christian growth. You know, and it's just important too. Like we sometimes will have classes, Bible study class, evangelism class, training class, you know, to help other people learn how to do these things. So that one person, not the only one ever reading the scripture, for example, or not the only person managing the media team, not the only person doing the Bible studies, you know, you can share that with everybody. And as was mentioned, then everybody can grow in grace, not just the few people who are constantly working, but everybody gets a chance to use the talents, the time and the temple and treasure that God has given them to move forward his work.
Um, yeah, Lee, I think about some of the other chapters we've read where um, uh, Brother White was very, very often, yeah. a lot of his sickness was just from overworking, mm. trying to do so much. And yeah. he really destroyed his health doing that. And, you know, it's good that we want to uh, be on God's side and out on the battlefield. But again, you don't have to do it all yourself. Jesus had 12 disciples. He could have done it all himself, but no, he was sharing so that they could share. You know, everybody has a team just makes a whole lot of difference. So even though you love the Lord and you want to do it all, it's not good for you or the Lord's work for you to try and do everything yourself. Yeah, and, uh, brother and sister White, they really put themselves out there for the Lord a lot more than people realize unless you actually read their stories of what all they went through. And some of the other early pioneers uh, that were out there doing everything possible, you know, barely eating, barely sleeping to do the, to do God's will. It's a great desire, but God ain't calling you to kill yourself trying to do it all yourself. Get some help. Somebody can help. The disciples went two by two because they that was for help. They can use some help at times, encouragement, support, physical assistance, uh, sharing the load, whatever. You know, don't try and do everything yourself, even though we know you can. <laughs> we don't want you to. We wanted to spread it amongst all the membership. And um, I want to hit this last this last uh, paragraph before we stop. And as I mentioned earlier, we're stopping a little earlier for outreach today. It says, when an effort is made to present our faith to unbelievers, the members of the church too often stand back as if, they're, as if they were not an interested party and let all the burden rest upon the minister. And you can also substitute in there minister or department leader. Like if you go to outreach, the department leader is not the only person that should be uh, talking to people. You know, if you're doing outreach or the department leader shouldn't be the only one singing the song, you know, when you're trying to sing a song and only two people singing, you know, and it's true with everything that we do. We're called to be evangelists for Christ. We're called to be witnesses and ambassadors. And he didn't just call one person. He says, whoever is called by my name, I'm calling you to be a witness and an ambassador. So we don't want to uh, just worry the minister in doing everything. The minister uh, shouldn't try to do it all. And the minister does have to be involved. But again, this is every member evangelism that we're talking about. And the more people go out, the more the message goes out. So it's good for everyone. Uh, any final thoughts before we close this abbreviated class? Okay, if not, Karen, which chapter will we be on next week? So we're in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1. Uh, we're in Chapter 110, the Health Institute, and we're going to be starting at Paragraph um, 636.2, which starts out, My View of This Matter of Means. My View of This Matter of Means? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, we'll close out with a word of prayer. Uh, Lakita, would you give us a closing prayer, please? Yeah. <clears throat> Most honorable Father, 
In the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you so much for the Sabbath day, dear Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to go out and minister to those who are without a place to lay their head like Jesus was, dear Father. So, Lord, we ask that you will cover those who are out there um, doing your will, Lord. Cover them with your protection. We ask that you will let the Spirit of God rest, rule, and abide over them. We ask that you would clear the highway between those who are traveling to the destination to meet um, the people whom you have already prepared their hearts for. That you would clear the highway of erratic drivers, mean and, and unruly, uh, mean and wicked men and women and, uh, and um, cruel, unholy angels, and also uh, any distractions that would try to take stop them from going up. We ask that you would give them peace that passes understanding, give them wisdom beyond their um, their years, Lord, that only the Holy Spirit can give them. Let them have a kind word and due season for each person who is there. And above all things, Lord, we ask that our works will be acceptable in your sight, and that many, though we may be just planting a small seed today, that they will be saved. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share and to study together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Now, Patsy, is Alton still doing their harvesting tonight? Yes, sir, they are. They're starting Vespers at 530, and then after that, they'll go into their fall festival. Okay. Okay. And Patsy, just so you know, we're still going to keep the class at 230. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Everybody have a happy Sabbath. Bye. All right. Thanks.